Well, hello, 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 my friends. Welcome to The Art of Paying Attention. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton. The Art of Paying Attention is all about paying attention because paying attention is our proper and endless work. So how's it going? How's your world? What's going on with you? Depending on when you're listening to this podcast and this episode, it's spring, almost spring here in this Midwestern town. And if you are like me and you are originally from the beaches of Southern California, you crave spring. You pray to God Almighty for spring weather, that the snow and the cold would go away and never come back. You long for these moments of cool and warmth and plants budding, vegetation sprouting, the new seasons. So wherever you are, I hope you are well. And what are you paying attention to? What's going on in your world? What are you looking at? What are you considering? What are you examining? And I hope whatever you're consuming, whatever you're examining, whatever you're paying attention to isn't causing too much dread, too much anxiety, too much worry. Part of paying attention is looking at things, considering things that bring joy, Right, It's easy to get consumed with what is wrong, what is broken, what is not working, and those are all real things. But also, what is good, what is beautiful, what is right. And I have been paying attention, maybe not in a conscious way, but it just seems to be popping up time and time again. Perhaps it's the season of life I am. I have four smaller children. Uh, three of the four are actively in sports. And one of my joys of growing up was bonding with my father over sports and playing sports and, and my wife as well. We, uh, we, we bonded over sports and that's always been kind of a big part of our lives, playing sports, watching sports, all that good stuff. And, and you may, you know, at this point want to check out and say, this is about sports, I'm out. But, I, but I've been thinking about this a lot. My, one of my sons is doing a book project on Shaquille O'Neal, the former center Hall of Fame center, played for the Lakers, played for the Orlando Magic. And if you don't know Shaq, you're probably not paying attention. But Shaq has just an interesting story. And uh, we've been reading his book and talking about it and discussing it. And I was starting to think about sports and what what is what is sports? Like what, what draws us to it? Uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast in February, the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I happen to live in the city of the Super Bowl champs. And so I watched just the way the city united around the Chiefs. Uh, There's a big, strong fan base here. People talking about it for weeks leading up to it, the playoffs, all that good stuff. But what is it? Why do we, why do we care? Why do we talk about it? Why, why spend energy, time, effort, watching games, talking about it, debating it? I mean, we have a whole, whole industry, sports channels, social media podcasts about sports and debating who's the best and debating who's what's going to happen in the off season, all that stuff. Like, why do we care? Right. It's just, isn't it just a form of entertainment, right? These players make millions and millions of dollars. uh, And yet we, we, we constantly are glued to the TV. We uh, want our team that we're rooting for to win a championship. We, we, Some people, they wait years and years and years for that to happen. Sometimes it never happens in their lifetime. Or when it does, it's just this euphoric thing. And you're just kind of going like, what's the big deal? Like the Cubs won the World Series, like, you know, and you've been waiting for 100 years. Like, who cares? Uh, In the grand scheme of things, does it really, really matter? 
Now, as I've been thinking about this, trying to pay attention to this, I thought, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's not curing cancer. It's not salvation. It's not going to change your life necessarily. But there is something to it. There's something that draws us to it. I have a friend who, him and his son, are big Clemson Tiger fans. The college team love Clemson football. And we were on a trip together, and we actually were in a different time zone. And he got up at 3 in the morning to watch a Clemson Tiger game with his son uh, and to, to talk over it. You know, So you go, what, what is that? Like, why make that effort? And I think it is, it's the, the human element. It's the story element. It's, it's what's the magic about, about sports. It, it, I don't think it's really about the sports. I, I don't think it's about the team. I don't, I don't think ultimately it's about the players necessarily. But it's, it's the, the thing that tethers us. It's the thing that, that brings us together. The thing we can always talk about. And, and I think in some ways when life isn't great or things aren't going well in the world or we're going through some challenges, it, it's, it doesn't ask a lot of us, but it, but it can be a, a comfort. I know with my dad and, and I, it's something we can talk about all the time and we like some of the same teams and you know, we kind of try to stay tuned in a little bit and talk about that. No matter what's going on in our lives, there, there's always this thing that we can, can kind of talk about. It, it unites, you, unites us. It, it creates bonds. It creates relationships. And I think there's so many layers to it because the the team that you root for, uh, there's a, a city involved, there's stories involved, there's history involved. I, I find that interesting when I, I've been digging more into the kind of the history of teams and, and what the cultural moments. Why did these teams become what they were at the time? I was watching a documentary uh, with the Lakers and the Boston Celtics in the 80s, and I've written about this too just a magical time of sports. Uh, the NBA was on life support and this guy named Larry Bird, this other guy named Magic Johnson were drafted, came into the league in 1979 and early eighties and battled out for these championships every single year. And it, it, it helped basketball become what it's become today. Uh, because the, these guys just were awesome talents. And they had interesting stories. Guy from small town French Lick, Indiana. Guy from small town Michigan, coming into the NBA and just taking it on by storm, and just bringing life back to this sport that people loved and, and that m- most people weren't paying attention to it at the time. So there, there's like these moments. There's these these human stories, these cultural moments, and there's there's culture that's wrapped around it, and there's time of what's going on in the, in the culture at that time. There, there's pain, there's things that aren't going well, and yet somehow it, it breathes new life into a city, into a family, right? It's this, this kind of strange, mysterious, magical thing that sports does. And of late, if you've been paying attention to me, if you've been following with me, along with me at all, you know I have an obsession with the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I got to tell you about my obsession with the Los Angeles Clippers because there's a backstory to this. I grew up in Los Angeles until I was about 25, moved away, never moved back, but LA is my home. And when I was in late elementary school into middle school, my father bought season tickets to the Los Angeles Clippers, NBA basketball team, 
the L.A. team that nobody talks about. Now, you may have heard of the Los Angeles Lakers, but not many people know about the Los Angeles Clippers. Not many people care about the Los Angeles Clippers. And with that truth and with that reality, it's very easy to get season tickets that weren't too expensive. Now, I know for my father at the time and my mother and our family, that was probably a big sacrifice, but it probably wasn't, you know, Laker prices. Let's just put it that way. Because the Los Angeles Clippers were a team that had been in the league for 30 plus years at that time, had rarely gone to the playoffs, uh, were living in the shadow of the Los Angeles Lakers who had won dozens of championships at this point. They weren't talked about. Even their arena at the time, the sports arena, (laughs) which is one of the most generic names ever the sports arena. Like there's an arena where sports happen. So I don't know what the marketing department, what they were thinking. The sports arena was in a very bad part of Los Angeles. And it was right near the Coliseum where the Raiders used to play. And I think the USC still plays there. And I remember it was so bad that my dad used to tell me like we'd, we'd get out of the stadium or out of the sports arena. And he said, let's just run to the car because if you stayed late and the cars were kind of gone, there'd be, you know, homeless people and prostitutes and all kinds of people just kind of put your head down, get in the car and let's go. Uh, it, it was that kind of environment, not a lot happening with the Clippers, but then magic happened. Oh yes. My friends magic happened early nineties Clippers bring in an all world coach, Larry Brown, and I will say this, the, the team hadn't changed all that much. They got a few players, but for the for the most part, it was the same team. The Danny Mannings of the world, the Ken Normans of the world. They bring in a point guard, Mark Jackson, one of my favorite point guards of all time. A few role players. And yes, my friends, they made the playoffs. Not only once, but twice. And not only did they make the playoffs, well, they did lose in the first round both years, but... They went to five, I think it was a five-game series, both those years. Went to five games, almost won both of those series, but they they just couldn't get beyond that. But something was planted in those years. Something happened. Maybe the Clippers can be decent. Maybe they don't have to live in the shadows of the Lakers. Maybe we can be a, a decent professional basketball team. And there's something that happened over time, new management, new coaches, that Clippers began to be somewhat a, I will say, a decent team. Until the early 2000s, uh, early 2010s, uh, got Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Lob City, started to be a competitive team, started to make playoffs, win a couple games, get the second round. And they've become a a decent organization. But there was something about those seasons, those times, those bo- those bonding moments with my father that were, were special, things I'll never forget. Just talking with dad, talking about life, watching these humans that have skills that I we can't even begin to understand how massive these humans are. I, I do remember standing uh, after a game next to a couple of players and just how big they were. That That just really struck me. Like they're tall people. I have tall people in my family, six five, six six, six seven. But not that kind of tall. Not that kind of strength. And just to watch them up close play this game and it's like a ballet, just these movements that they, they, they're able to do is just just unbelievable. 
and I, and I played, you know, basketball most of my life and played high school ball and all that, but it, it's a different game when you go to a pro game. So there, there was something that was happening with me and my dad and the, the stories of the players and just their backgrounds and, and the uniqueness of who they are and where they came from. And I, and I think that's a little bit of what the magic is of sports. It's the bonding that it creates with your families, with your friends, but it's the stories of the players. It's the humanity of the players that I think draws us in. I'm, I'm finding that with my kids as we read these stories about these players and talk about different players. It's not just about their stats. It's not how they're doing, but it's who they are, where they're from, what their family's like, what they've gone through, how they got to where they are. And so fast forward, I'm still talking about the Clippers, to today, 2023, as of February 22. February 22. The Clippers, Los Angeles Clippers, have acquired Russell Westbrook. Now, that may mean nothing to you, and it doesn't need to mean anything to you. But let me give you a little context. In the last few years, the Clippers have acquired Kawhi Leonard, who is a two-time finals MVP, two-time NBA champion with the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, and also with the Toronto Raptors. He is also playing with Paul George, PG-13, a all-pro, one of the better players in the league. They have a bunch of good, solid veterans, Norman Powell, uh, Morris Sr. from KU. They had John Wall. They got rid of him. They had Terrence Mann. They, they have some good, solid Nicholas Batum, some solid players. It's a championship quality team. They're, they're that good, or at least they're supposed to be that good. So we're about three years into the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George experiment. And now they've acquired Russell Westbrook. Russell, Russell Westbrook is a all pro. He's been in the league, I think, 14 years or something. Played on multiple teams. Now he just left the Los Angeles Lakers. The team down the hall, the team that shadows above the L.A. Clippers, the small, insignificant L.A. Clippers. And two years ago, so not this season, but last season, they acquired Russell Westbrook to be their point guard, paid him a lot of money, and it hasn't worked that well. They haven't won a lot of games. Uh, I think they made the play-in game last year, but, but lost Probably they might make the playoffs this year, but playing with LeBron James, playing with Anthony Davis, it just hasn't gone that well. And now the Los Angeles Clippers have acquired him as of two days ago. The the Lakers got rid of him. They're making some huge changes, trying to make their team a little better. And the Clippers have him. Now, I have my thoughts about Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook in his prime as an MVP there was a multitude of seasons where he averaged a triple-double per game, which is unheard of and will never probably be broken in the history of the NBA. He is a first-ballot Hall of Famer. And if you don't know what a triple-double is, it's scoring at least 20 points in a game and at least 10 rebounds and 10 assists. But to do that for a whole season is unbelievable. Now, you could say, well, he's got all these points and got all these assists because he didn't play on good teams and he – just kind of hog the ball the whole time, and, and that's fine. But you still have to 
get the ball in the hoop. You still have to get the rebounds. You still have to make the assists. So to have that many assists and to score that many points in a game, to say you're a ball hog or to say you don't have talent is just ridiculous. But you see, that was old Russell Westbrook. That was a few years ago. This isn't the, the, the current version. He's, he's a lot older. I think he's 34 years old. He's a Los Angeles native, born in Long Beach, California, where I was born. That, there's no connection there. I just had to mention that. But he, he came home. And when he came home to the Lakers, that was the big, big storyline. You know, hometown kid coming home. Went to UCLA, played at UCLA in L.A., Solid player. He, he kind of had a, a strange beginning to his career. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, they weren't sure if he'd be good, but he, he came on pretty strong, played with Kevin Durant at the Oklahoma City Thunder early in his career, and James Harden had a really good run, made a finals. But he's, he's continued to work, and he's, he's an aggressive player. He's a solid player. Now, he's not going to play much defense because he's old, but he, he could do something here on the Clippers. Now, you don't have to care about any of that stuff. You probably don't even know who Ru- Russell Westbrook is or his stats. But as I begin to think about his story, as I hear him in these interviews, you can tell there's there's more going on here. And, and there's a different storyline because there's a lot of people talking about how Russell Ru- Westbrook was a problem in, in, with the Lakers, that he was the reason they weren't winning, that he's a, a problem in the locker room. And yet, as you hear these interviews and as you hear people talk about him, the actual players, as you realize that people love this guy. He's a hard, he's one of the hardest working NBA players in the league. And he genuinely wants to win a championship that he's never been able to do. He wants to be on a winning team. He understands he's getting older. He understands these, these opportunities and these moments, they come and they go fast. And so moving to the Clippers was a great opportunity for him to consider that. And have an opportunity to to have a second chance. And, and so in this story, that there's just this beautiful picture of a second chance. Like people were talking about this guy who's getting paid a lot of money, getting released by or getting traded by the Lakers, never playing again, never having a chance, like just getting lost. In the last you know five, six years, he's been on three different teams and there's just no future for this guy. And here's the Clippers picking him up. And again, this is a, a low risk pickup. They're paying him very little money. But I think it says a lot about this guy is that he wa- he really wants to win a championship. He wants to contribute. He wants to be happy. Like, And, and so as we were, at, or I should say not we, but I was watching this clip of his interview, his press conference, as I introduced him to the team, he said something very interesting. I mean, they were asking him a lot of basketball questions and, you know, what he thinks he can do. And. And he, he talked about you know winning championships, and that's really the the objective, the main object, objective. And they said, you know, it seems like you're really happy to be here. And he says, yeah, because I get to take my kids to school every day. I get to live in L.A. I don't have to move my family. My wife's here. My kids are here. And that's the highlight of my day is taking my kids to school every morning. Think about that for a second. He's not talking about you know, winning championships or MVPs or scoring 30 points a game. He says, you know, the, the greatest thing about staying in LA, the greatest thing with being on the Clippers is I get to take my kids to school every day. Now you can say, well, that's nice. You're a multi, multi, multi millionaire. And w- what a great thing, but you just hear it in that story. You hear it, the humanity behind that, that comment 
that there's a real guy there. There's a human there. There's a dad there. There's a husband there that gets up every day and, um, you know, does his work. And But he really the thing that, that he enjoys most is getting to take his kids to school every day. And, and you see, this is as I've been trying to pay attention to sports and what is the magic? What is the tether? What is the thing that bonds us? Why, why do we care? It's these kinds of stories. With all the talk about, you know, is he good and does he play defense and is he going to score and is he going to be a problem and, you know, is he going to make too many turnovers, this and that. Um, the reality is there's a human behind this athlete. There's a dad, there's a husband, there's a son, there's a brother that just wants to take his kids to school every morning. And that's what I love about sports is that when we can kind of tear away all the hype and all the money and all the stuff to see the the human behind it, to see the person behind it is why we love sports. And I, I think I have a, a special affinity for basketball because it's a, it's a sport where you can kind of know all the players. Someone said that there's less than 5,000 NBA players in the history of the NBA. It's not that it's not that many people. When you think about the NFL, you think about how many people are on a team, there's probably at least 100. And so throughout the years there's been, you know, 32 teams times 100, you know, 80, 90 years of football. That's a, that's a lot of players. But in the NBA, you're talking you know, 50 years of the league or 75 years of the league, 12 to 15 guys on a team. You see them, you know them, you hear them talk. <laughs> you see their faces every time they play. There's a, a humanity to it. You feel like you, you're kind of more in the know. It's, it's easier to keep up. It's easier to see what's going on, who's getting traded, who's on what team, et cetera. There, there's a human story behind it, and I think that's the magic of – sports. When my dad, all those years ago, when we bonded over sports, it wasn't just about who can get the ball in the hoop and who can make the playoffs, but it was also about who are these men? What are their stories? Where do they come from? And then when you get a new player, you, you want to know about them. You know, what, what's, what college did they go to? What was their family like? And what are they good at? And what do they like to do? And it's this, this kind of new, exciting thing. You know, this, this new person is, is here to, to help our team and to bring his skills to help us win a championship, to make the playoffs, whatever our, our aspirations are. And so in this Russell Westbrook story, I, I think I also was finding myself a little bit grieved of, of how nasty teams can be or how nasty the media can be. It's probably more the media than the team, but treating this guy like he's just trash, like he's a cancer, forgetting that, you know what? The greatest gift in his life is that he can take his kids to school every day. Because I think he has perspective. I think when you're 14, 15 years in the league, you, you've been through some stuff. You start seeing life in a different perspective, in a different frame. It's not about money. It's not about stats. He probably has – he still has probably championship aspirations. But the thing that holds you together, the thing that keeps you going, you say, is I get to take my kids to school today. I get to be part of their lives. And I think – when we think about paying attention, it's easy to look on the surface. 
It's easy to look at the the money and the stats and the entertainment, but not to get below it and go, there's a human below there. There's a human in there. There's a soul in there. There's a story in there. There's humanity in there. There's ups and downs. There's suffering. There's a background. There's a person who was born in Long Beach, California at a particular time who went to particular schools, has been through some stuff, has lost some people along the way. There's a guy who wants to take his kids to school every morning. And I think when we think about the magic of sports and the mystery of sports, it's that. It's the, the human story. It's people like you and me. Now, we may not be able to hit a jumper. We may not be able to drive to the hoop the way these guys can. We may never win an NBA championship. But when we tear it all back, we realize that they're just like us, that they have families, they have obligations, they have pain, they have struggle, they have sorrow, they have joys. They have frustrations. And really, when we get to the the core of things, sometimes we just want to take our kids to school. That's the greatest gift. Well, hey, I know I ranted about basketball for a few minutes here. But this is what it's about. This is about paying attention, making the connections. What are you paying attention to? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? Shoot me an email. Ryan, or I should say, hello at ryanjpelton.com. Tell me what you're paying attention to. Also, if you're interested and you have someone you want to be on the show, I interview a lot of people, shoot me an email as well. Hello at ryanjpelton.com and let me know. There's someone I need to follow up with, someone I need to interview, someone doing some interesting things in the world, making interesting things, paying attention to interesting things. Love to to know who they are. And thank you for the people that have reached out to me. And I, I get e- I get emails every week saying, hey, you should have this person on the show. So thank you for that. Keeping them coming. Also, if you haven't checked out the Substack, everything is over on the Substack, ryanjpelton.substack.com. It'll all be in the show notes. You can get on our newsletter. Every Friday, I send out seven things I'm paying attention to. Hopefully, you'll enjoy that. Great way to stay updated on all that's going on in, in my world and the, the world of the art of paying attention. Everything's been moved to the Substack, so the podcast, the newsletter, the articles, all my stuff is all in one place, so really easy to find. And I've been really enjoying Substack at this point, just being able to uh, yeah, keep everything kind of in one place, being able to connect. Uh, and also one way to connect, as I've mentioned a couple times before, is through the chat feature. So if you do get the app and you sign up for Substack and you want to follow along with this newsletter, blog, podcast, whatever we're calling it these days, uh, the chat feature is really cool, so you can we can interact on the chat, and I can hear how you're doing, how I'm doing, and we can can go from there and have some real humanity, some real interaction, which I, I enjoy. I think it's better than social media. So I'm not a lot. I'm not on social media all that much. Uh, I post things on there, but I don't interact there much. So Substack's a greater place to to do some of that interacting, and uh, it's more focused. So I like it for those reasons. Also, if you're listening to the show and you enjoy it share it with someone share it with a friend word of mouth still works also if leader leave a rating or review on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast it really helps us get the the word out get the podcast out helping people pay attention that's a good thing it's a good work it's actually a proper and endless work so i encourage you today pay attention it matters pay attention and paying attention is is one of the, the greatest things we can do with our lives Hope you're all well. And before you go, before I go, go make some great art with your life. And I'll talk to you real, real soon.